Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you have done already, but I thank you now that you would release revelation of your word. I pray that as this word goes forth, that you would arrest our hearts, you would arrest our mind. I take authority over any and every spirit that would distract, hinder, or keep us from being able to absorb the knowledge, the truth, and the revelation that you want to bring tonight. I pray that there'd be an easy understanding of of what I'm going to share because you've just demonstrated exactly what I'm going to share tonight. And I give you praise for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. A lot of what we have talked about in advancing the kingdom has to do with revelation. And even tonight, it still has to do with revelation. Um, Revelation of a position. If you understand that God has assigned us and allowed us to come not just spiritually, positionally into the heavenlies, but into a spiritual reality that we can experience. And in that reality, that is where greater authority comes with God. And I'm, I'm probably, I, I would guess probably 99% of you hadn't heard what I'm going to share tonight because I hadn't heard it either. It's a principle that's in the Word of God and the Lord didn't show it to me till this past um, Saturday night. So I want to start in 1 Kings chapter number 17 and verse number 1. And what I'm going to talk about, again, is about revelation and how a revelation of where you stand. That might even be a better way to say it. Where do you stand with God? Where do you stand? And I don't mean saying where do you stand by meaning lost or saved. But I mean in a continuous spiritual revelation where do you stand with God? Thank you. I'll take that right now. <laughs> where, where are you standing with him? And there's a principle of scripture. That, and I'm going I'm to give you several examples of it because this will tie into how is the church going to advance and how, what is this thing going to look like of this grand and glorious revival that we are expecting. You know, some, think, some I know aren't expecting it. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting miracles, signs, wonders. And when, again, when I came in here tonight, and as soon as y'all started singing, I mean, I was just arrested over here and just started seeing and hearing things. And, and, but then I, I got it. I understood what he was doing because he gave a demonstration before I ever even get to the Word. You've already seen what I'm going to share with you. So that's pretty cool. Because if you just say it to you and you don't see it, then that's something different. Verse number one, and this has to do with Elijah and, uh, and a word he gives to Ahab. But I'm not so much going to focus on the word. I'm going to focus on where he stands. Everybody got your Bibles? You ready? Verse number one. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Verse 2 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. Then, after he just spoke that, the word of the Lord came to him. Now, we think of prophets and we think of people saying, Thus saith the Lord in speaking. We don't think of people having authority to be able to speak whatever they will, and God will back it up. But we're going to see that depending upon where you stand with God, in the position that you stand with God, the people that stand closest 
in the realms of the heavens have a greater authority. And before this is over with, you'll understand it fully. I'm going to come back to this, but let's go to um, Zechariah chapter 3. I've got several scriptures to to pull off here at the beginning of it to to get it going. Zechariah chapter 3. And I'm coming right back to 1 Kings. This has to do with Joshua the high priest. And he's, he's standing before the angel of the Lord. And he is given new garments. And then in verse number 6, this is what I want you to see. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. Keep in mind, he is the high priest of Israel. He said, if you walk in my ways, if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house. And likewise, have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. Now, what is he saying? He is saying, if you will obey me, if you will follow me, if you will listen to me, if you will do what I say and not what you think, then I will give you a position in the very courts of heaven and you can walk among these, judge my house As you stand right here, I'm going to give you a place to stand right here in the presence of God. Man, that's pretty powerful. So now with that said, because we see that Joshua was authorized to have a position like that offered to him. But we see that there is something required of on our end. Obedience, following the word, doing what God says. It's not that you're just going to do whatever the... You know, whatever you feel, <laughs> you know, live like you want. That, that, that'll never fly. You can be saved and make it to heaven, but to stand in the presence of God it, and live however you want, it's not going to happen. Why? Because you can't tolerate. You cannot stand the presence of God if you're living in darkness or if there's any amount of darkness within you. The light is just too blinding and too overwhelming. So, so back to 17.1, and let's look at that again. Elisha the Tishbite, he says this. He says to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, and what does he say next? Before whom I stand. Before whom I stand. You see, you got to understand this. This is not, he's just speaking something spiritually. No, he is such a call prophet that he stands in the very presence of God. And he's able, because he stands in the presence, he is able to release a word, and God can trust him. And at the the latter half of this, you'll see why God can trust him. You'll have that understanding. Because we just think, well, why would God back up somebody else's word? And you'll see that in a few minutes. So he gives a word, and he says, there's not going to be any rain, nor do you accept at my word. Man, that's pretty powerful. That when we can just speak the word, and God backs us up. You see, that's really where God wants all of us. But first of all, we got to have an understanding that there's a place we can stand in where we can actually do those things and speak those things and have heaven backing us up. He said, then the word of the Lord came to him. Verse number two, and he tells him to go by the brook Kareth because he has already commanded ravens to bring him meat and he's going to drink water from the brook Kareth. I know it's a C-H in the English, but it's not in the Hebrew. It's a K. <laughs> so it's, it's pronounced Kareth. So the word of the Lord comes to him after he gives his word. And, and God tells him, okay, I'll back you up on that. Now let me tell you what you need to do now. And it goes on. I could, we could deal with the whole rest of the story because the rest of the story is just great. But that wouldn't give us the time to finish this series tonight. 
I want you to look at some New Testament examples of those that speak. Let's go to Revelation chapter 11. In this particular passage, this has to do with these people that are called the two witnesses or these prophets. And you're going to see that they can just, they can speak the judgments just as Elijah did because there is an authority that is given to them. You see, it's one thing to have power. It's another thing to have authority. Crooks have power. They got a gun. You know, policemen, popo, (laughs) they got the badge. They got the authority, you know. They, they got the right to use the gun. Okay. All right. So look, look at this. In, in Revelation 11, he says this. He said, ver, we'll just pick it up with verse 3. And I will give power. And that word power there in my Bible is italicized, which means it's not really there, but you're going to see it later, and it's going to go back. It's referring to that. And I will give you power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now, he said, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. And what are they doing? Standing before the God of the earth. These two guys are standing before the God of the earth. Just like Elijah said, this word, as the Lord God lives, before whom I stand. These are people who stand in the presence. Now watch, he says, and if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. They have power. This word power is exousia, authority. They have authority to shut up heaven so no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have authority over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues. How often? As often as they desire. As often as they desire. Ah, that's pretty mind-boggling, ain't it? That they have the authority God gave them because they stand in His presence and they can speak the word and it comes true. And, you know, when the Lord began showing me this the other night, I said, man, this is cool, but what is it? He said, it's a principle of the spiritual realm. He said, even the angels can abide by it. That the angels who are closest to the throne, they too can speak a word and heaven will back them up. Luke chapter one. You'll see it here. I mean, when you see it in the word of God and the spirit of God backs it up, all you can say is that is awesome. Lord, that is so great. He says, uh, uh, let me set the story up. This has to do with Zacharias, who becomes the father of John the Baptist. You know, he is ministering and an angel in the holy place, and an angel appears to him, and he gives him the word, even though he's an old man, that he can, he's going to produce a son, and he tells him a little bit about him. Now, listen, he's an old man. He's a rabbinical priest. If there's anybody that ought to know the word, it is this man. You see, the same angel came to Mary, who was just a a young girl, you know, and told her, you're going to bear the Messiah without a husband. Now, she legitimately asked, how can this be? I mean, she's not a rabbinical priest. She doesn't know the scriptures. So that's a legitimate question. But when Zacharias asked it, it's not legitimate. He's supposed to know this stuff. He's supposed to be a mature man of God. He's supposed to be a leader, not a follower. 
And we'll get more in that in a second. And this is what he said. And, and, and he gives him the word regarding this child. And he get, in verse 17, he says, He will go before him, meaning Christ, in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father and the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. But he should know nothing is impossible with God. He should know that. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you these glad tidings, but behold, you're going to be mute and unable to speak to these things take place because you didn't believe my words and they will be fulfilled in time. So he gives him, he said, look, you blew it. I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Therefore, you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to open another word out of your mouth until this thing is fulfilled. Think, see, can you, do you see it? Gabriel who stands in the presence. It, every person that we see that has this authority, it is people that are, you know, created beings that are standing in the very presence of God. You, you, see, so much of the church thinks we're all going to be in one big happy place around the throne, and that's not the case. You're going to be positioned by your the, the authority and the knowledge that you have had and the opportunities and how you lived. Get to heaven. Any place in heaven is better than the best place in hell, trust me. You know, so you, you, it's cool. You're gonna, it's going to be all right. So don't, don't get upset about that. But there is a, a level of maturity that, that comes, and you've got all eternity to grow. I personally believe that with all eternity to grow, that eventually we we'll all should be able to get there. Amen? Amen. After all, i got eternity to work on it. Okay. <laughs> okay, now, it, it, when I, it's still in the same thing. The Lord or the angel, whoever it was that was showing me this stuff Saturday night, and I was just, you were just pouring it in my ear, gave me a passage to go look at. And he said, look what, look what the Lord told his disciples here. So I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 9 for a second. Now this, you're going to say, ah, this don't make sense. But I want to show you where it's at, and then you can look at it later. Jesus had just taken Peter, James, and John up on the mount, what we call transfiguration, and he was transfigured before them. And Elijah and Moses appeared on the mountain, you recall. And as they were coming down off of the mountain, and the other nine disciples, there was this huge confrontation that was taking place and where people were gathered around. For this man had brought his son to these disciples that were left behind and, and he told them about this demon that was in his son and he asked, his, asked the Lord's disciples to cast him out because this is the way they look at it. If you ask a disciple to cast out or to bring about a miracle or whatever. It's the same thing as asking the Lord. Amen. Hang with me. I'm going to, you'll see this in a minute. And I'm talking about the mature, not the immature. And so when they came back and Jesus, they brought him to Jesus and Jesus cast him out. So later they come to him and they said, why couldn't we cast it out? What's the problem? And Jesus gave him this remark. He said, this kind, this type, there's certain things. It's only go out by prayer and fasting. 
Now, she said, I've always focused on the prayer and the fasting, and it is valuable. And I do believe in, in prayer and fasting. That is a huge key to getting into that realm of glory for signs, wonders, and miracles. But what Jesus was telling these other guys was change your position. Change where you stand. If you want to see these, you couldn't cast it out because you were standing in the wrong place. You know, we looked, uh, was it last week? Yeah, last week we looked at how Jesus often got alone to be with his father. He had to have prayer time. He would pray all night. He would leave the multitudes, go to a solitary place. He went up on the mountain. He had to have time with his father because it's in that place that we are positioning ourselves for greater authority. Listen, You're going to have to have more than just head knowledge and Bible knowledge and able to quote certain scriptures. You can, even Satan can quote scriptures. You've got to be able to quote scriptures with the authority of heaven backing you up on it. You see that? It's saying it is one thing. Hebrews tells us that God assigns to us ministering spirits who are supposed to be there to help those who are going to inherit salvation. How do they help? That when we are speaking the word of God for, they are there to back it up. Because he says he sends these ministering spirits, these flames of fire, to see that his word is taken care of when when he speaks it. And if you speak it, it should be the same thing. Okay, this, this is heavy, I know. But man, this is good. I'm so excited over this. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is some of the best stuff I've seen in a long time. Okay, now, go with me to Galatians chapter 4. And now I'm going to get into why, who, what, when, and where. How, how does that apply to us? How, how can we change the position of where we stand? And how does it make sense? It doesn't, you, know, you may be thinking, it doesn't make any sense to me that a person, a man or a woman, can speak a word and, and the word that comes out of their mouth, heaven just backs up what they say. Well, I'm going to show you how and I'm going to show you why. So let's look here. Let's look at, um, okay, let's start with verse number one. Galatians 4, he says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, and that Greek word is napios, a, a little child, he does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master at all, of all. all right, let's, let's explain that for a second. Even though the heir to the house, the heir that had, will, will one day have all of the authority to run the house, run the farm, whatever it is, you know, as a little child, they don't differ from a slave simply because they don't have that authority yet. A slave doesn't have the authority, even though they're an heir, they have the right to inheritance of it, but neither do they have the authority yet because they're just a little child. They do not have the maturity. They do not know how to operate the father's house. They do not have the father's wisdom. And so what What happens here, let's just look at verse number two. He says, but they are put under guardians and stewards until the appointed time by the father. They are appointed. They're under these stewards, mentors. And at what the job of these mentors and these stewards were, was to begin at a very, very early age and begin to train that child how to run his father's house. That's their one job. That's what they get paid big bucks for. 
And the father has to trust this steward who, that he knows that what he is telling his son will be in full uh, agreement with what his heart and his desires are. So this person that is a steward, he is operating in behalf of the father. The Holy Spirit works in behalf of the father, you could say. And giving us instruction. He is our steward. He is our mentor. He is our teacher, the Bible says. And the Bible says Jesus said he would guide us into how much truth? All truth. What truth is he leading us into? He is leading us into truth about the kingdom. He is leading us into truth about how to operate in the kingdom. He is leading us into truth about what to do and how to handle the father's household. So Paul is likening this unto this this child and, and years may go by and, and there's never just, well, you know, as we have a, a legal law, we say, okay, at 21, they can drink and drive or whatever. <laughs> no, actually, I don't think they can drink and drive. <laughs> I think they can drink and somebody else drive or something like that. I'm not really sure about all that. Anyway, so we have legal ages that you can do things with. And they just pass a law and the law goes out over the board. I mean, is it, can you vote at 18? Is that what that legal voting age is? Okay, at 18, uh, you can go vote. But uh, let me ask you, how many kids are mature enough at eight, 18 to rightly divide who to vote for to run the country? Seriously. It, it's usually a popularity thing for them. Whatever, whoever their people that they hang around with, it, it is what is cool with them. And that's how they decide. Okay? All right. So there is not a specific age, but it is left up to the father that when this steward, if that person is 24, 25 years old, or 35, 40 years old, but at the place that that mentor has trained this child, what he has put into him, and it's what the father is looking for in this child. He is looking for the maturity that he can turn everything of his household over to that child and not worry about it. And he would tell the vendors and the people that he deal with, deal with my son. What my son says is what I say. What my son thinks is what I think. You see, he's getting the maturity in him so the father does not have to worry that the son is going to make a stupid deal because he has been trained for X number of years. And now the steward says, he has your heart, he has your mind, he has your spirit. He thinks like you, he acts like you, he talks like you. And when they get to that point, he can say, now I can give him the authority over my household. Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, and you, if you want to turn there with me, that the whole earth, all of creation is looking. He says in verse number, let's see. Let's start with uh, verse number 19. He said, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, this is a totally different word from the word that we read a while ago. This word is weos, and it means a mature son who is capable of running the father's household. 
Man, that changes everything. Creation is looking for, waiting expectantly for mature sons and daughters of God who think like God, act like God, talk like God, so that when this, these things transpire, they can be able to speak a word from their own mouth and heaven back them up because their words are heaven's words. A storm is coming, or tornado, or tornado is coming down the street. Houses are being wiped away. Everybody's running for shelter, going into their secret place, their, you know, what do you call it, safe place. You give me one son, one, one son or one daughter of God who is a mature child of God, and they step outside the house, and they look at the tornado, and they say, be silent. And all of heaven backs them up, and the thing lifts up off the ground and goes away. We actually saw that on a video clip from Africa. That the tornado was coming. And this man of God stood out there and told it to leave. And it left. It lifted back up into the sky. You say, that's just crazy. That's stuff for a movie. No, it is stuff that God has said that we can attain to. All right. He's looking for mature sons. So this is not going to be a thing that everybody's going to inherit. See, the mature sons are going to be the ones, the only way to hear the father's voice, think like he thinks, is be where? In his presence. You have to be in a position to hear the wisdom of the father. You have to be in a place where you have access to everything that the father has. And the only way you can have access to everything the father has is to stand in his presence. See, this is just... I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting back at me. <laughs> this is so good. And, and I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just blown away. I'm just in awe of God, how that he would show this demonstration before we even started tonight. Show me, this is here, this person's here, this person's here, and this is what they got, da-da-da-da-da-da. Why? Because he, he, uh, he can trust me to speak what he says. And not what Eddie said. Do I always do it? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm not perfect yet, but I have a desire. You see what God is after. God is after leaders who understand these principles to be able to transfer this wisdom and revelation into the hearts of the people in a practical way that it's not just something they hear, it's something they see and they know that it is available. If this person can do it, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. There are things that you can receive impartations of simply by being in the atmosphere and something will click in your spirit and you can say, I'll, I can do that. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, this was in 2000 and probably seven or eight. And I was watching this old man of God and he's really, really old now. And I cannot think of his name, but he's in like Columbus, Ohio. And, um, you know, it's not somebody that I would watch every week and not somebody that really feeds me. Okay. But with that said, but he's, he's the guy, he's got that real funny talk. And he says like, hey, Jesus loves the little children. He talks like that. He, help me out. Him. Okay. Sunday afternoons. Son. Okay. So anyway, I'm watching him in a crusade and he's in Africa, you know, a place I love to go. And in the process of this, there were people that were coming up that had no sense of smell. They could not smell anything. And I thought, huh, well, that's bizarre. And he told me, so that's a spirit. And he told the spirit to go, and they put perfume under the, the, 
I think it was a lady's nose and, and kind of waved, and she jumped back like that, you know, for the first time she smelled it. And it's like something rose up inside of me. I said, I can do that. You see, because this is the way it's supposed to work. When you see something and you hear something in the spirit, your spirit man is supposed to rise up inside of you to mature you, something you receive by faith. You say, I can do that. There's nothing wrong with you saying I can do that. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to say, I can do. Jesus said in John chapter 14 that the works that I do, you will do also. That's what he said. The works that I do, you will do also, and greater works than these will you do. Well, if that's the case, at some point, you have to have a transition from the head to the heart to the spirit and say, I can do that. But you see, we in America, we always say, well, take him to the preacher. And sometimes that don't work. Amen? Because nobody has taken the preacher to the place where he should be standing. He said, nobody to follow. So I go to, in 2008, 2009, I go to Manchester, England, and uh, ministering for a, a friend of mine. I, 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 don't, I, I don't even call him necessarily as a peer. He's younger than I am, but he is definitely a leader and a teacher, and he's way above me. And he's, he was from Zimbabwe. His name is Prophet Hubert Angel. You can even look up some of his stuff on YouTube. But when I was over there, I was ministering for him. There was this, this a lady came up. And she could not smell. And I was so excited. Because here was an opportunity. I was, I mean, I'm telling you, I was excited. God's going to heal this woman. Because I got a download watching this old man on TV. <laughs> and the family were standing around and they said, yeah, please, dear God, healer. Says she burns the food, burns the supper. <laughs> you know, she can't, it's burning and she can't tell it's burning, you know. I think, well, you got eyes, you know, but anyway, <laughs> it's like something ought to be working. And, and so they were so excited. And, and I did exactly what he did. I stood in front of her. I put my hand in front of her face. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, I command you to come out now. And that was it. And they brought, I think it was perfume again. And they stuck it in her nose and she did had the same reaction. She shook her head like that. And, you know, then she was going around you know, smelling everything, you know, <laughs> I want to say, well, there might be some things you might want to back up on, you know, until you get your history lesson down anyway. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you, you can get a download from heaven. You can get a download simply by watching somebody else. What God did here tonight in this demonstration, it was not for you to be in awe of somebody else. It is for you to say, I can do that. It's available. It's here. It's here. It's here. He said, but do I have to be a preacher? No. You have to be a disciple. A disciple is one who learns from their teacher. That's all. You just have to be a disciple, a hungry disciple. Amen. All right. So this is going to, I don't even know if I should go here because I don't know if I'm going to have time to cover it. So God is looking for these mature sons, these mature sons to come forth. There is something that is going to take place. All right, let me, let me back. There's three feasts of the Lord. And out of these three feasts, all of the male people of Israel were supposed to come to Jerusalem once a year for these feasts. It was something that was practical, a feast that they had to attend. But then that, those two of these feasts translated over into the Christian walk. And just as the first two did, the third will as well. 
what God did, he will not stop short. The first one was Passover. You remember that they were in Egypt. And it, it was the night of their deliverance. And they put the blood over the doorpost. And they observed the Passover and they ate the lamb. And they were delivered from their enemies that night. You see, we celebrate Passover by our salvation. We are delivered from our enemy by the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of our hearts. Amen? Amen. The second feast was Pentecost, 50 days later. Pentecost, which means 50. And just as there was a, 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 a physical Pentecost that they had to attend. And if I had time to go into the details of it, I would. I think I did one time here. Uh, went into details what, what was observed about Pentecost. And one quick thing is found in John chapter 7. That at the close of the seventh day, that the priests would take water and they would take oil and they would pour it down the steps of the tabernacle as a sign you know, of what's coming, the outpouring, the outpouring. And this is what Jesus said. It was a very solemn moment. It was a very quiet moment. It was a very respectful moment. It was like somebody praying over the congregation. It was deathly quiet as they poured this water and oil and it runs down over the steps. And it was at that very moment that Jesus uttered these words at the top of his lungs. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Shaking the atmosphere. And John recorded, for this he spake of the Holy Spirit who was not yet given. Pentecost. And then we celebrated Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you have I, we have a spirit salvation. And hopefully you will press on and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The third one is tabernacles. And tabernacles was celebrated as their protection in the wilderness, how God took care of them for 40 years, and they would build these booths, and they would go in, and they would live in them in, the out, you know, in, in an observance of God's supernatural protection over them. There's a, a, a good, well, let me go back up one. I don't, even know if, I don't think I got time to get into it. But there's a couple of prophets that both had words regarding tabernacles. One of them was William Branham. William, and he didn't liken it unto tabernacles. I just want to tell you that. But it, what he describes is like tabernacles. He said because in this third vision that he had was that people were going into this tent, this facility, and they were coming out healed. They were coming out miraculous. A, another uh, prophet that I know personally, he told me the story, had a similar vision. And in this vision that he had, he, he, he saw his mother going into this like a tabernacle, a tent. And he was watching these people go through and they were coming out different. And as he watched his mother go through, she came out the other side totally healed. And he said, she was glowing. Her face was glowing with the presence, with the glory of God. There's something had transpired inside that tabernacle. The glory of God. You see, Isaiah 60, we've quoted it. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. When does that happen? When deep darkness covers the earth. Deep darkness is here. Creation is groaning for the sons of God to manifest, the mature sons of God. I believe that this tabernacles is going to be a literal fulfillment, and in the fulfillment, those who have received their salvation received Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they will also have access to this realm of glory, the fullness and maturity of the sons. How do you know that? How will they accept it? 
How did you accept anything? Not everybody's going to press in. Not everybody will be a mature son. Some people are going to check out early. This is why not everybody's going to stand in the presence. But those who do make it and stand in the presence, they can speak the word of God, of God. And we've just seen that. And God backs them up. Heaven backs them up. But not everybody's going to make it that far. Why? Because it's, it takes faith to do it. When, if you got saved, you got born again. And I'm wrapping this up. Start my music. It's the only way I can slow down. <laughs> I've been going like this since 4 o'clock this afternoon, praying in tongues. When, when you got saved, the Spirit of God came and convicted your heart. What happened? Did you just get automatically saved? It just kind of fell on you and you didn't do anything? Huh, guess I'm saved. No. You had to apply faith. Faith was applied. You believed the message. You believed Jesus paid the price. You believed he was willing to save you. You put your faith in the Word. And out of that faith, you received salvation. You became a new creation, born again. When people receive the fullness of the Spirit, and I've got a friend right now. He, he, I mean, he's a little younger. than He's 50. I'm 60. And he is, he's just has such a longing and a passion to receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, I just can't do it. And I told him, the problem's between your ears. It's all up here. You're trying to make something happen, think something happened, and all you got to do is accept it by faith. How did you get saved? Got saved by faith. Well, how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do you receive anything from God? Faith. Faith. You read it, you see it, you believe it. Did he say there's going to be some emotional upheaval when you get it? Did he? I'm going to come down and I'm just going to smack you all over the place. You're going to be floating around in the air. You, you, you know, you're going to have chill bumps all over you. He didn't say any of that. They waited. But they're, they're, when the Holy Spirit comes, you know it. I believe when hands are laid upon you, you feel him. It is a reality. And then when you recognize that you have supernatural giftings now because of this empowerment from heaven, this endowment from on high. That Jesus told his disciples in Luke 24, 48, 49, somewhere in there. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He told them in Acts 1, 8, don't leave. Holy Ghost is coming. You've got to have power. And all of the gifts of the Spirit manifest through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Words of knowledge, visions, prophecies, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation. He gives you a heavenly prayer language that you can pray directly to the Father and the enemy cannot intercede. He can't come in and mess it up. He can't stop it. No wonder hell is so afraid of people who pray in tongues. That's why we get all these religious minds. Well, God don't do that anymore. I don't see any benefit of it. Of course you don't. But when you understand that it is a gift from God, who would, re- who would refuse a gift? Okay, let me get past that now. So when, when, when this, this season of tabernacles comes, and, and, and I guess you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is it. I'm not prophesying or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just saying this is really, 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 really interesting. Because you all know, I'm sure, about the tetrad, the, the four blood moons, two last year, two this year. You're familiar with that. And they, 
just this year just happened to fall on feast days. Kind of ironic. Just happened to fall on feast days. That coming this fall during the Feast of Tabernacles will be the fourth blood moon. God puts signs in the heavens. Israel, Israel itself will be gathered in these booths, in these tabernacles during the season of the blood moon. Isn't that crazy? I'm not saying that's going to be when it's going to happen. But I do know this. When it does happen, faith has to be applied. I believe that. I don't have time to, to, to lay everything out. I, see, the, this whole series has been about advancing the kingdom of God. And the only way the kingdom of God is going to advance is when we understand that we have a position and we have a place where we can stand in the presence of God. And the things that we speak, we have his mind, his thoughts. We speak his words. Our heart is his heart, not our heart. We're not battling, okay. You know, it's, it's not going to be that guy that pulls out in front of you and you want to zap him, you know. God, hit that one right there. I'm in a hurry. That old man pulled out in front of me. I can't believe it. You know, it, it ain't going to work like that. You, you might want it to, and I'm sure till I get over that, it's not going to happen to me either. <laughs> what we need now, what we need now more than anything, we need leaders who can lead. We need leaders who can stand up and speak the truth, whether they understand it fully or not. I don't fully understand it all, but I believe it all. I see it. I hear it. The Holy Spirit shows me. He gives me dreams. And I believe it. That there is a place to stand with God. You see, there's too many leaders today. We've got this whole entire society across America, if they do go to church, they want to be buddies with the leader. They want to be buddies with the pastor. You know, if, you're, if your leader is your peer, you're only going in circles. Do I need to say that again? If your leader is your peer, your peer is out here to your side. Your peer is your equal. These are my peers. We're going to, you know, judge this man and he'll be judged by his peers. Those pulled alongside him. But a leader leads. And we don't need a leader that's just a little way out there. I, I, need, I need a leader that's living in a, another spiritual universe from me. I need a leader when I look at that leader that I, I'm not... I'm in awe of the fact, how in the world did that man get so close with God? I'm in awe of what he, uh, of what he is. I, I leave shaking my head. I've never seen it on that fashion before. It, it puts something inside of me. It puts a hook down inside my heart, and it's pulling me, and it's yanking me into another arena, another place, and that's what I need. If, if everybody's in the same place doing the same thing, again, we're simply going in circles. The Lord said to the Israelis as they were in the wilderness, I think this is in Deuteronomy chapter 1, I believe. He said, you've been around this mountain long enough. You've been going in circles long enough. It's time to quit going in circles. And we need leaders who are out there in another zone, light years ahead of us. That we, we just, I'm just dumbfounded by the revelation that I hear and the words that are coming forth from their mouth and the miracles that I'm seeing that is just absolutely astounding that just, you know, I I want that thing to jump in me that says I can do that like on the other. But I'm telling you right now, I've seen some stuff lately and I'm blown away. 
and you know what I what the Lord said, I'm not in position. I'm not standing in the place to say, I can do that, because I can't. But the Lord gives everybody the opportunity to find that place and stand where they stand. Is this making does this make any sense whatsoever? We need leaders. We need leaders who will lead. We need people we can run after to keep up. Not those that we're going to, come on. We, we, you know, we don't want to be goats, goats butt. <laughs> you know, come on, get on out, get on, get on, get on. No, we need leaders that are so far. You're doing this. Slow down, slow down. I can't keep up. And they're like going over the horizon. That's the kind of leader I want. That's the kind of person I want to follow that pushes me with everything that is in me. Spiritually, physically, mentally, that I'm just absorbed in it by every everything that I hear, everything that I see. It just leaves me detached from the world. I say, dear God, I didn't even know that was available. I didn't even know we could go there. Is this helping anybody? Is this stirring anybody up? But these are going to be the ones who are going to be the manifesting sons of God that are going to step forth. They're going to speak the word and the glory of God is going to be wrapped around them and they're going to glow in the very presence of God. These are the people that are going to do the signs, the wonders, the miracles. These are the one that's going to turn the world upside down. These are the one that's going to be living in a spiritual Goshen while deep darkness is covering the rest of the earth where they live. It's daylight. Hallelujah. This is good stuff. And my time is up. So I'm just going to close by this. I'm saying, you know, for those of us that are here and those that will be watching this or listening to this later, you don't just cut it off now. You you don't just walk out. You don't just turn it off. You don't just get up and leave and say, well, that was a good message. I I got a lot out of that. No, it's got to be something that pierces your soul. It's got to be something that gets down on the inside of you that will not leave you alone. It has to be something that obsesses you. I want to stand. I want to stand in the presence of God. I want to speak his words. I want to hear. Oh, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, Father, for these four weeks. I thank you, Lord, for the revelation that you have brought forth. I thank you, Father, for the word that you have brought tonight. I thank you, Father, for the revelations that you brought here tonight. Thank you, Father, for the miracles that have been released from heaven in this place tonight.